Welcome to episode two of the Functioning Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Knox. We are sponsored by Your Thumbs. Always pushing on things, making things play, and gripping stuff. And also by Your Eardrums. Hearing stuff, drumming, processing sound waves. Please support our sponsors by pushing on stuff with your thumbs and listening to stuff with your eardrums. Thank you. Please rise. We have a special guest to perform the Pledge of Allegiance, Leonard Cohen. Ladies and gentlemen, please rise. I pledge allegiance to the flag that David wore like a tattered rag for which it stains you don't know I'm not sure if that's how the pledge goes, Leonard. One nation under God. What the hell? I like it. Liberty and justice for all. Wow. Just wow. You're the red, white, and blue. You're the what? Oh, the funny things you do. Leonard, is that America? America's funniest home America. videos. This is you. Oh well. Funny radar. Right, you may be seated. We've got a lot to talk about today. First off, I want to address something on the UN. F website. The United Nations Foundation started a COVID-19 response fund, and that is the name of the website. It is COVID19responsefund.org. Links to this, in case you'd like to donate, are posted on my Twitter, MrKnox02, at MrKnox02, rather. Another cool thing is foodrescue.us. A friend of mine told me about it. It's an app and a website. Um, you can download the app and register to be a runner and instantly start taking food from one place to a place that is in need. Go check that out also on my Twitter is that. Lastly, if you're in need of face shields or you want some extra protection, check out SA Fishing. That's S as in Sam, A as in A, fishing.com. And click on face shields right now. They're giving a promo. Buy one face shield, get four free. I'll tell you, I called them when they had a promo on their Facebook page that was buy eight for 30 bucks with shipping. Not sure if they're still doing that. If they are, you have to check their Facebook page at SA Fishing Company um, or one of the variants. They have several. Go check that out. Find the links to that on my Twitter page, Mr. Knox02, at Mr. Knox02. It is my mission to destigmatize autism research to make the numbers look less scary and to make sure that people are looking at the research for what it is. I'll give you an example. Some people think that research means everything. Well, that's just not the case. If people are doing research, on 5G and they think, oh, it could cause coronavirus. They don't know that 
until a period of time has passed. So up until that period of time has passed, autism research, there's a lot of speculation that surrounds it. I would like to open people's eyes to help them see what the research really means, interpret the data, instead of taking the author's opinion and holding that in high regard just because they're an author and they have their article on a website and they mention the names of some scientists in a study. I think it's important to look at what they're saying, not what they're trying to convince you of. Okay, the first article I'd like to talk about is called How People with Autism Forge Friendships. I will not be revealing the names of authors or the sources that I found the articles from on this podcast. If you'd like, you can shoot me an email at mr.knox02 at gmail.com. And I'll gladly talk to you about where I found the article and why I thought it was interesting and who wrote it. And if you are the person who wrote it and you'd like me to take this down, then shoot me an email. Mr. M as in Mary R. Dot Knox, K N O X 02 at gmail.com. The article starts off It is lunchtime on a Sunday in January. At a long table inside a delicatessen in midtown Manhattan, a group of young people sit together over sandwiches and salads. Most of them have their phones out. One boy wears headphones around his neck, but there is less conversation than you might expect from a typical group of friends. One of the boys seems to talk only to himself and a girl looks anxious and occasionally flaps her hands. This article is really well written. There's a lot of imagery right off the bat. I'm very intrigued as to what's going on. Okay, so it talks about a nonprofit called Action Play. And Action Play helps people, young people with autism or other disabilities, to work together to write and stage a musical. And it talks a lot about the steps that they went through to come up with material. Like the girls were talking about Frozen 2 together. And it's all cute and cuddly and Spongebob and Kung Fu Panda. But what really captured my interest was the part about research. And it was talking about the science behind our meaningful friendships. So here it goes on to say... Having meaningful friendships or lacking them has an impact on our cardiovascular and immune systems, stress responses, sleep, and cognitive health. People with strong social connections survive longer on average than those with poor connections, according to a meta-analysis of more than 300,000 people. Loneliness, defined as a mismatch between desired and actual levels of social connection, is, a, is as great a risk factor for mortality as smoking, the analysis suggests. That really stuck out to me. You could die sooner from loneliness than you could from smoking. In the world of the autistic spectrum, I think this is really important to know. A lot of times, from what I've experienced, people who I know with autism, they are so afraid to socialize because they think those people are going to rope them into bad habits, such as smoking. Myself, I am a former smoker. I switched to the gum. I highly recommend it. If you feel like you need to go outside, though, because you're chewing gum, people might not let you. It's worth a shot, though, if you 
get like a social feeling when you're smoking or if you get like a smoking feeling when you're socializing and you're just used to that, try the gum. Okay, so it goes on to talk about a teacher who is a psychologist slash teacher and a member of a four-person group. And they're a comedy group called Asperger's or Us. This teacher is talking about opening up to other people and saying it's really hard for him and he has found that it's easier to open up when he's around other guys who are diagnosed with Asperger's. It's implying that he himself has Asperger's. Doesn't say that, but it seems pretty clear. So they're a comedy group and when they get together to come up with material, they start listening to the same song for hours on end. It actually says they listen to Garden of Your Mind by Mr. Rogers. And I just have to go off on a tangent really quick. If you haven't heard this song, it's a remixed version of a feature that Mr. Rogers did 30 years ago. And it's fantastic. You listen to the person who remixed it auto-tune Mr. Rogers' voice, which is pretty non-melodic as it is and he's really making it rise and fall melodically and it's the Mr. Rogers tone it's great in the original feature I always recommend you check out the original of whatever it is that was remixed you know if you're gonna watch Star Wars episode one um, that's a bad example because that's not a, a remixed version um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but you have to check out the original version of whatever it is that is remixed, I think, in order to really appreciate what the person did who remixed it. So, the original version, Mr. Rogers is opening up a tape cassette player. And the camera zooms in, and it shows the film of the tape. And he goes on to say, in the garden of your mind, whatever you plant will grow, and it's, it's beautiful. He goes outside, and Mr. McFeely is there, and he has a slide whistle. And the person who sampled that took the slide whistle. I don't know how they did it with the audio and the video in sync at the same time, but it really looks great. The article ends with a paragraph called Find Your Tribe. And it says, Having friends who are also on the spectrum may skirt some of the conflict. Dina Gassner, 61, was diagnosed with autism at age 38. She has a stable of friends, both autistic and non-autistic, and works as a social worker. But, like Britton, that's the teacher um, with Asperger's, she finds it easier to connect with others on the spectrum. You don't have to explain anything to anybody, she says. When Gassner goes out for dinner with her group of autistic friends, everyone in the group knows what to expect. These people who can tolerate more sound or the people who brought their earplugs face the crowd. The people who cannot face the wall. That, that's genius. So I'm imagining people sitting in the, the row of seats with their backs against the wall facing out to the crowd. If you are overstimulated easily and you need earplugs, what a better idea than to put those people facing out and people who didn't, or let's say they just don't feel comfortable facing out, facing the wall. The last part of this is not really the best. I don't know why they saved it for the last, but they were talking about another program similar to Action Play where people played a game called Gibberish and teenagers must interpret each other's intentions without using real language. 
The point is not to get it right, the article says, but to attend to what the person is doing in a way that creates opportunities to connect. I'm not so sure about this game here. We say, he says, if this is something you love, that's a chance to connect with each other. Many of the ideas were inspired by a moment 16 years ago after the man, uh, Lerner, he established a small camp for children with autism called Spotlight that eventually inspired similar programs around the United States. Not a bad thing. On the second or third day, an 11-year-old boy ran up and tugged on his sleeve and said, Hey, where'd you find these kids? And he goes, Well, all over the place. Everyone wants to come to camp just like you. And he goes, Oh, man, this is the first normal group of kids I ever met. And that's the end of the article. What a bummer ending. I think they were searching for like a fairy tale ending or like a happily ever after ending and couldn't find something, so they just threw something in there that they remembered this guy Lerner telling them about. I would have much preferred them to end with face out and you face in. If you're overstimulated, you face the wall. If you're not like sit facing the wall, but like your seat is looking towards the wall. If you are not, then look towards the middle of the restaurant. Okay, now I'm talking about Bill Withers, the coolest to have ever lived. One of the most influential musicians in my life. I'm on his website here. I was reading before I read this on his website, but he grew up with a stutter. He, his father died when he was 13. He, he joined the Navy at 17 where he grew out of his own stutter. No sort of speech therapists or occupational therapists. He was delivering milk as uh, his, I guess, main source of income when he was writing songs in the back of his head. He was designing and installing toilet seats for Boeing 747 when he wrote Ain't No Sunshine. He performed at the festival that was before the Rumble in the Jungle, the Muhammad Ali-George Foreman fight in Zaire, Africa, and he shared the stage with so many soul musicians. On his website here it says, an encompassing roster of artists that includes Barbra Streisand, Michael Jackson, Liza Minnelli, Aretha Franklin, Tom Jones, Maroon 5, Linda Ronstadt, Paul McCartney, Sting, Joe Cocker, Johnny Mathis, Mick Jagger, Boney James, Al Jarreau, Ma Morrissey, Nancy Wilson, Jimmy Buffett, Diana Ross, Shirley Bassey, and Willie Nelson has covered Bill's songs. All those people have covered his songs. Additionally, the people who've sampled his songs are Jay-Z, Akon, Kanye West, Tupac, Fatboy Slim, DMX, and Blackstreet. Just to give you a little tribute, I want to say it's it's not the best that I could have done, but given the time circumstances, it, it's the best that I could have done. Um, here's my cover of my favorite Bill Withers tunes of all time, Lean On Me. <laughs>
next article I'm going to talk about is called U.S. Authorizes Rapid Blood Test for Fragile X Syndrome. What is Fragile X Syndrome, you might be wondering? Well, the most common genetic cause of autism is Fragile X Syndrome. And everyone who has it, they say it's caused by a mutation in this gene, FMR1. People who don't have it, the, the gene has 6 to 54 repeats of a DNA sequence. People who do have it have more than 200 repeats. I like that because it's measurable. Sometimes with autism research, there really aren't measurable statistics that are significant. There might be like a 2% thing, but that is a, a big difference. If you have six repeats of a sequence compared to more than 200, that's significant. Okay, so there's a new test made by a Texas molecular diagnostics company called Asurigen, and it uses a blood sample. And it can also identify pre-mutations of FMR1. Now, I don't really understand how that works. It says one in 150 women have a pre-mutation, which means that it increases her likelihood of having a child with Fragile X syndrome, and men with the pre-mutation only pass it on to their daughters. You have to forgive me, I'm not well-versed in genetic science, but it, what it sounds like is women can pass it on to their children if they have it before it is mutated. And they can test, they can detect it with a test, with a blood test, to see if you have a pre-mutation that would increase the chances that you will have a child um, with autism. And if you're a guy, they can tell if you might give it to your kids, but you, it would only be your daughter if you had kids. Okay. The only thing I don't like about this article is it, it talks about... Okay, so it says the test is meant to be combined with family history and clinical science, and it cannot be used on its own because it's so sensitive it may pick up mutations that occur in only a fraction of cells in the body. It can also not be used to diagnose a fetus. Why people are trying to diagnose fetuses is beyond me. There's a, a, a something that you're, you're, you're going to take something out of a mother's womb with a device to try and test to see if there's something wrong, I think doing that is probably not good because you're inserting devices into a human being that just naturally shouldn't be inserted. A lot of the things that this article is talking about were great up until this point because if you are looking at the test, which is meant to be combined with family history, I, I, I can't see the point or relevance in that. What's the science behind your family history having, what, pre-mutations? We have to test your, your family to see if they have some pre-mutations as well? Or are they talking about family history of autism? It seems like they're just lazily saying we've tried to do a bunch of research and we're just going to kind of accept that some people who have a lot of family members with autism you're just more prone to have autistic children and then 
they go on to say it can't be used to diagnose a fetus. So if you were thinking about having an abortion because you might have a kid, an unborn, your maybe your baby, your unborn baby is going to have autism, this test is not for you. So I'm not a woman, and I can't really comment on that, but my dad was adopted. His mother left him on the steps of an orphanage in Greece, and if you go to that orphanage, like I did, the street that the orphanage is on, that was my dad's birth first name, and the, the, the cross street was his last name. When he was adopted, they changed it to an American name, but if the mother... If his mother, his biological mother, was in America and abortion was easily accessible, I might not be here. I'm not suggesting that if a woman is eight months pregnant and a doctor says, you know, if you deliver this baby, you're going to die, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't have an abortion. There are circumstances that definitely necessitate an abortion, but we can't just be picking and choosing what we do with unborn humans when they're already feeling pain in the womb unless there's like a really serious circumstance just to say oh there's a chance that you might have this fmr1 mutation because we see that you have a pre-mutation but it's really only meant to be combined with your family history and clinical signs i don't know what clinical signs would be like your your baby you're, you're, you're pregnant, and the fetus in your womb is, I don't know, overly sensitive? I don't know how they're going to detect clinical signs that an unborn fetus might have autism when he's born. I don't know. Overall, good article. Terrible conclusion. They should have just said the data and not said that that they're using it to combine with family history. They actually just shouldn't combine it at all. If it's if it's research, if you're researching something and, and you don't know about it, you should not recommend that people do it. Okay, it's time for the grinder. This is an article. I'm gonna give away the source a little bit. You can tell the author is British because of the first sentence of the article. The article is called the Dangerous Downsides of Perfectionism. And it has a picture of a woman's uh, legs from the knee down, and she's on a long balance beam, and her toes are pointed, but her big toe looks like it's pointed outward towards her pinky toe, and her other toes look like they're pointed inward towards her big toe. And what it looks like the author is trying to imply is that perfectionism can give you really bad feet or stuff can go wrong in your life. The first article, the first sentence of the article says, many of us believe perfectionism is a positive, period. It doesn't say the word period. Many of us believe perfectionism is a positive. Right off the bat, I can tell that she is uh, United Kingdom British, British, because United States English, we would say many of us believe perfectionism is a positive characteristic, but Many of us believe perfectionism is a positive. That's it. All right. And talks about how when she was young, she was drawing, and she felt like when she made a mistake, she was so dumb, and she just never really recovered from that. And how perfectionism can be linked to depression and anxiety and 
all these bad things if you're trying to be perfect. Honestly, I get that. That's a good point. But to stress it as an article where you talk about perfectionism as something that can lead to suicide ideation, which is what they claim in this article, is ludicrous. Perfectionism just means you like doing things well. If you are... if Okay, so if, if, if you say that perfectionists feel every bump in the road, well, that's because the road is bumpy. You can't drive down a bumpy road and just think, oh, well, everything is just wonderful as your suspension is getting torn up and your tires are getting holes popped in them. There was something that I saw down at the bottom of the article. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but they were comparing perfectionism to uh, black and white thinking. Now, those are two completely different things. If you are a black and white thinker, that can be dangerous. If you are a perfectionist, that can be your best asset and improve your chances of getting hired over someone else. What's even dumber is this author seems to distinguish between perfectionistic people and conscientious people. I get it that this author's trying to draw a fine line between healthy perfectionism and being conscientious, but to say this after the black and white comment, how it's really dangerous to have black and white thinking patterns, the author says, and while conscientious people tend to live longer, perfectionists die earlier. Couldn't be more black and white thinking when you state that. And then they even go on to say that you can inherit perfectionism. What this person is trying to do is trying to get you to not try your best so they can get a leg up on you. And that's the grinder for today. Okay. Questions, comments. If you'd like to come on to this podcast, email me, mr.nox02 at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at mrnox02. Everything that I talked about, all these sources, I do keep track of. I don't publish them. I don't believe that they should be published unless I'm benefiting monetarily and this is not that kind of a podcast. All of the stuff that I talked about that you can purchase, like the face shields or support like the COVID-19 response fund, if you'd like to volunteer with Food Rescue, along with the link to listen to this podcast on iTunes Podcasts store are in my Twitter post dated today, April 12th, 2020. Stay tuned for next week's special guest performing the Pledge of Allegiance. The soundtrack for that was featured at the beginning of this podcast. The week after next will feature another special guest using the soundtrack that you're listening to right now. Have a nice week.